Hi, this is Charlie Peck with the Thriving School Community Podcast. I am so excited to invite Gavin here and welcome. I'm so glad you're here, Gavin. There's so much to say. I'm just, I don't even know how to get started <laughs> with you. My goodness. Thanks for being here, truly. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the invite. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, can you tell people what your background is? Because you have an interesting uh, switch, like change in roles. Can you explain that to people? Yes. Well, I have been in the field of education for over 15 years. I actually started, I could say in high school as a teacher's aide. Um, I actually took a course my senior year of high school. And from there at age 19, I was actually hired by a school district as a uh, paraprofessional ESC assistant. Uh, And that is actually before I enrolled full-time in in my university to gain my degree in biology education so that I can teach uh, secondary science. And I have done pretty much everything in education. So working as an ESC assistant, uh, working as a classroom teacher, even spent a year uh, in the jungles of India, working as a, a volunteer, as an interim principal and teacher. And teaching science, I've taught all the sciences in a private school in Boston. I've taught biology for a school district in the state of Florida. And most recently I worked as uh, an assistant principal for a school in Miami. And currently I have transitioned away from that. Um, I won't blame COVID, (laughs) but COVID did have a part to play in it uh, in terms of the direction that I took after I left that last position. Um, As we all know, the field of education is very stressful. And whether you're a teacher or an administrator, uh, the level of stress is is very great. And working as an assistant principal for my last school, um, I think my biggest struggle was how much change could I actually impact uh, at the, the school that I was at. And I felt the same way as a teacher, as a classroom teacher, where I was at, um, how much change? And I think that has always been my question in education, uh, because as a, as a classroom teacher, it has always been 50-50. Uh, I love it and I hate it. <laughs> uh, I enjoy what I do and, and it's my passion, but at the same time, the level of stress, the level of responsibilities, the ability to actually impact change on the level that you want. And for the most part, I've always been more on the side of, I love this and I will continue to do this. Um, One year I actually came to the point where I was like, this is it. This is my last year as a teacher. Then I went to a Ron Clark seminar and I'm like, Mm. okay, I can do this. (laughs) I can continue to do this. And right after that is when I ended up uh, gaining a position as an assistant principal. And as as a leader, uh, in a school is completely different, very different than being a teacher. Uh, and you never want to forget as an administrator what it's like to be in a classroom. But your focus change, changes and um, your level of responsibility changes from being focused on the students that you have, uh, anywhere between 30 to 150 students uh, has, has been my norm as a teacher. Uh, and going to focusing on, I had uh, 35 teachers at the school that I was at and being able to focus on not only the teachers, but also your student body. Then you had to worry about all of the parents uh, with your school. You had to worry about constituency outside of your actual school. People who are, are uh, they have a part to play in your school, but they're not directly there on a daily basis to know what's going on, but you're still responsible to them and, and, and for them. Uh, so the level of stress has been, was, was a lot, because then now you mix in COVID to the mix. <laughs> mm-hmm. And COVID was an experience for every educator that none of us could have been prepared for. Uh, wow. And just being able or having to juggle that in addition to all of the responsibilities as a leader, uh, it made it very difficult. And I think that was my, my tipping point 
where I wanted to explore other options. Um, and my question at that point was, what do you do when you've been doing your passion? <laughs> where do you go? Do you uh, go what other you? career do you pick up if mm -hmm. you already know you're working in your passion? So hmm. uh, as I decided to leave, I decided I would um, try being an educational consultant and see how that goes. But I also, uh, in the process since then, I've uh, been doing a master's in uh, instructional experience design and, and educational technology. Uh, so at this point, is it's trying to be an influence to those who are still on the battlefield, really, uh, of education in the classroom or as an administrator, but also uh, what impact or how can I influence education going forward as someone who designs uh, e-learning experiences for, for various learners and different needs, both for K-12 and adult education. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, you clearly have an extensive background that mm -hmm. is important for people to listen to so that the, we understand the lens that you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of questions in there, but one of the questions that popped in my mind that's that kept coming back is, if you experience all that stress and you stepped out of education and you go back and you consult with people who are still there, what kind of messaging are you giving them so that they can stay mm -hmm. there and still be passionate, even though it got to you? Mm -hmm. And that's a very good question, because I know every teacher that sits in a professional development, and there's someone up front that talks about this is what you need to do, this is how you need to do it, this is how it will benefit you. Uh, the question that always comes to mind is, but how long have you been out of the classroom? Mm -hmm. And it's the same, even with between teachers and administrators, it's the same thing when you sit in a meeting. Uh, how long have you been out of the classroom? Because the, cl the experience in the classroom changes from year to year. The dynamics, they change. Everything shifts very quickly in education. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a valid question. Uh, but I think having the experience and being able to do you know, more research and learn more outside of the setting of the classroom or in the school building, it does open up other opportunities. It allows you to learn more, understand more, see more, from a different perspective and then being able to come back. And and I think being honest and saying, I did have struggles. <laughs> it was difficult. I understand. I know what burnout feels like uh, in the field of education and being able to say, this is what I learned from that. Uh, mm -hmm. This is how I would have approached that differently. Uh, and these are the things that I love and I'm sure you do too. So how can you take your experience in the classroom and make it better based on the experiences and the things that I've learned? Uh, you know, as as a consultant or someone who wants to impact change, you know, it's not my responsibility to tell you, you must do, but to give you some information and you do with that what you will, because I know every teacher that wants to be the best will take the information they receive and they will, they'll do what they can with it. Uh, and they'll do what works best, not only for them, but for their students. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like you can use that perspective and that tipping point to then go back into the system and do systemic change. Like I know that you've been talking mm -hmm. about doing. So now yeah. your lens is just, it's refreshed. You're refreshed going back in kind of as a, as a different observer, but now you get to listen to everybody. You have time and energy to absorb what they're mm -hmm. telling you and showing you. Right. That's right. what I'm finding. Yeah. That's really mm -hmm. interesting. Um, so one of the things that you wanted to talk about or that you and I talked that you would focus on is building that positive work culture by creating a safe space. So one question before we get there, because I want to talk about that culture word right there, 
You've been in several different places. You you've yeah. been in a couple different states. You've been in different roles, different schools. You were in a different country. What's the culture like? Is are there a lot of similarities, or are there vastly different things that you notice that you would now bring in with you? Well, I think every system is is some one way or another is different. So even if you're in the same state working for a different district, your experience is different. And I can say I, I live in the state of Florida and I've worked for two districts um, in my career. And I also know like the state of Florida post COVID uh, has had a lot of issues that we all know about in terms of keeping teachers. Uh, and it's very interesting because when you look at one district, for example, the last uh, public school district I worked for uh, was on the lower end in terms of their financial ability to meet needs. Uh, versus a few districts over where they had plenty of money. And the experiences of the educators in those two districts were completely different. Uh, you had teachers in one county saying, this is horrible, we all need to do something. Well, in the state of Florida, you can't go on strike. <laughs> uh, so that's not a possibility. So if you, if you can't go on strike, your next option is either I stick with this or I pick up and I go somewhere else. Uh, so... In one district, you have teachers who are of the mindset of, I can't do this anymore. I need to get up. I need to go somewhere else. I need to do something different. And oftentimes, when a teacher in that situation, in that mentality, when they leave the classroom, they leave education altogether. And it's sad because there's a lot of gift and talents there. But in another district where there's a lot of funding, uh, the experience is much different. Uh, uh, those teachers have more resources to work with. Uh, so they don't really see the big deal as much, you know, I don't understand why <laughs> other teachers are complaining, you know, this, this is my dream job and I'm living my dream. Uh, so even in the same state, different districts, even in the same districts, different schools, based on who your administrators and your coworkers are, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot of differences. So when it comes to culture, uh, I think anywhere you are, you're going to experience different things uh, and the culture is going to be different, even in the same system. But on a wider perspective, I think education, we as humans, we're very much, even though we have different cultures and uh, different lifestyles and different experiences worldwide, we're still human. Uh, and when it comes to psychology as as an area of research, you find out humans are humans. <laughs> you know, we, we tend to think the same. We tend to learn the same. We tend to react to things in a very similar way. So when it comes to building culture, in a school, yeah, you have to fit, focus uh, on the particulars of your institution and where you're at. But on a, on a wider perspective, it's remembering that we are humans. We do have the same experiences. Uh, we do have the same faults. We do have the same passions. So how can we work together to, to find that cohesion, to mm -hmm. build the culture that we need for our institution, where we're at for our people, our students, our teachers uh, all together? Okay. And, and in India, what was it like there as far as like, is there something very specific you would do here as a result yeah. from learning it there? Well, I think what India has done for me as an educator is that it just, it brought on my perspective. Uh, it gave me more of a wider worldview. Um, where I was in India, I was literally in the jungles. <laughs> um, you did say like that. Trees, <laughs> yeah. trees everywhere. Uh, wild elephants uh, roaming around, neat. that type of thing. So, neat. so it was a school that had, it, it was a school that was built by an organization from Austria. Um, so it targeted a, a specific community. So it was very poor, 
Uh, and it really, when we talk about lacking resources, I've, I, I didn't realize you can lack that much resource. Mm, <laughs> uh, wow. At the time that I was there, you know, we didn't have desks. We barely had any, uh, I actually had to take the, the um, little stipend I, I received just to survive and take that and buy books for the kids to write in because they didn't have those. Uh, they would sit, it was a boarding school. So they would sit on the floor on a mat during the day. Uh, and that was their classroom. At night, they would pick up the mat you know, dusted off, and that became their bed at night. Uh, mm. So it really did lack a lot. But um, in terms of, of that experience and being able to work with the people, the the teachers is actually a good example of how that helped me to understand how to work with people. Uh, because the teachers, they were, they learned um, English. And, you know, I thought, you know, as an American, you know, if you know English, you know English. <laughs> and we all have different accents, sure, but English is English. But it turned out they knew British English. They did not understand American English. And there was a big difference. So that created a lot of communication issues and, and, and concerns and problems that otherwise would not have been there. And I think that how that transferred over to my career here in the U.S. is understanding just because I say something to you uh, doesn't mean you understand what I'm saying. Uh, even if you're able to repeat the words that I say doesn't necessarily mean that it's transferred over. Uh, or it's been transcribed uh, into the actions that I'm expecting to see. So that that results in having more patience for people and being to being able to reflect, okay, so if they didn't do, they they it seemed like they understood what I was asking, but they didn't do it. Now, rather than playing the blame game, why didn't you do it? It's your fault. I think back, okay, maybe I miscommunicated. How could I have said it differently or better or in a way that they could more... Um, easily understand to produce the results that I'm looking for. I love uh, and, that. And I think that has been helpful. Well, think about <laughs> how many people would show just a different, have different interactions with others, with their colleagues, with superiors, yeah. with students, kids, if they just did that, if they flipped it back right, themselves. Right. And mm -hmm. was that hard for you to do? Or what was that like for you to do just to flip that back? Because you kind of were forced to do that. You had to take, you had yeah. to just take an approach there. I, I think at first it, it was a bit frustrating until I understood what was going on. Yeah. Uh, because again, at first I'm thinking, you understand English, I understand English. But I think it was at one point where a teacher told, actually found the, uh, the strength or the bravery enough to say, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> yes. And I think it was at that mm -hmm. point that it clicked that, okay, there is a difference between American English and British English. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the way in which I speak is different. Um, for them to be able to comprehend everything. So at that point, when, when it clicked, it was like, okay, I understand what's going on here. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, that lack of patience, it disappeared because now I understood. It's not that you're, it's not that you're angry at me. <laughs> it's that you're frustrated in the communication that's going on. And, and um, to have the bravery to say, I don't understand what you're asking me is a huge thing. And I think even here, um, in America, in the same culture, in the same school environment where, you know, we, we have the same type of upbringing uh, and we understand American English just the same, we still have the same issues where a teacher and an administrator, a teacher will be afraid to say, I don't understand what you want from me. Yes. Uh, and I think we, uh, as ad administrators need to be able to build that in their school culture where it's okay for you to tell me you don't understand. It's okay for you to say, you don't know what 
what is being expected. Can you please clarify it for me? Um, and, and I think that's very important in building that collaboration that a school needs to succeed. Yeah, you could solve so many problems very quickly if we just felt okay, if we felt safe. And that's one of the things you talk about is building that security and that place of that culture of safety. So how would you actually go about that? You were an administrator. I mean, you had that role. So you understand as an assistant principal that people did need you and people might misunderstand. How did you Mm -hmm. build that for them? I think first is coming in and some you know, people, they they get to the next level within the same school and they're working with the same group of people. Uh, that, that's a different t- challenge than someone who's coming in brand new that no one knows. Uh, in sure. one scenario, if you're a teacher becoming an administrator in the same school, you know, it's about creating new boundaries uh, and getting people to understand uh, that this new boundary is, is why it's required, why it's necessary. It's not now that I have power that I want to take control. It's that now I'm in a different perspective and uh, this, this new perspective, it affects my jobs in certain ways that, that it will take time for us all to understand. Uh, but even that with that, being able to build a team culture and, and a collaborative atmosphere, where we can work together. So it's not just me now that I have power, I'm telling you to do this, this, and this. It's now that I'm in this new seat and I have this new perspective. I want you to understand our situation as a school body and how can we work together now to get to the next level uh, as as a group, as as colleagues, as a school, as an institution. Mm -hmm. And I think on the other end, if you are an administrator coming in brand new, everybody has question marks uh, and everybody has their eyes open. They don't know what to expect. Uh, And it's getting them to, again, same place, getting them to that point where they understand, okay, as an administrator, I'm here to be a part of a team, not to have full control. Um, I'm here understanding that you know things that I don't know. So how can I learn from you and how can you learn from me? And building that, again, atmosphere of teamwork and collaboration. So it sounds like the communication piece is really important. So let's say you communicate that I want there to be, I want you to talk to me. I want you to ask me questions and ask for clarification and speak up for yourself. What actions have to go behind that? Like what what do you have to do as an administrator to show Mm -hmm. that you're not just trying to assert your power, you really are trying to work with them? Right, right. Now, saying it is one thing. Uh, saying you can come to me and you can ask questions is one thing because you can say it, but do I believe it? That's right. (laughs) So that's where now actions become more powerful than words. So as an administrator, what can you do to help your teachers to understand that you're there for them and you do truly have this open door policy? And I think uh, one of the biggest terms I've heard that provides the best answer is being present. Uh, If you're present, then your teachers will more likely understand what you're all about. Uh, if you're in the classroom, not just for evaluation purposes, if you're in the hallway, if you are uh, upholding policies when you see something uh, being done wrong, rather than waiting for the teacher to respond to it, if you are asking questions to the teacher, so rather than waiting for them to come to you, you go to them and you ask them questions uh, and see where they are in terms of um 
understanding and then being able to provide clarification. And I think if you do that, if you're going to them and asking questions, they're more likely to come to you and ask questions because now they know that this is a normal thing. Um, you're asking it, so it's safe for me to do it as well. Uh, so, so yeah, just leading by example. Right. Yeah, that's super important. It's important to reiterate that too by follow through, follow through and modeling yes. it for them is it just has to happen. Yeah. Right. Um, right. So you, you also talk about leading with people in mind. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, leading with people in mind, uh, again, w- people who are in, in positions of leadership, the, it's always in the minds of people. Why? Why are you there? Uh, and what is your goal? So with leadership, people often think the point is to have power. And if your thing is about power, then you want to know how do you get to the next level? So if you are a teacher that has become an administrator, everyone's mindset is, I'm sorry, if, yeah, you become, from a teacher, you become a vice principal. Everybody is thinking that is just a stepping stone, which in most cases is true because there are not many people that make a lifelong career out of the assistant principal position. Um, so it's fair to, to, to make that, you know, um, to have that idea, but um it's important for people to know that you're not there just because you want to make it to the next level, just because it's a stepping stone. It's about what can I do while I'm here uh, to help us all to grow. Uh, and with the principal, everyone thinks, okay, the principal is just there until they can make it to a bigger school where they, they make a larger salary or uh, when they can make it into the district office, become a associate superintendent or a superintendent. Uh, so it's, it's important for people to know this is not a power move. <laughs> Me being in the position of an administrator is not a power move and it's not fun. <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it comes with a yeah. lot of problems, a lot of issues. My day doesn't end when the school bell rings. Uh, you know, my day never ends, actually. You know, it, it's, it's, con- it's a continual thing uh, for the entire school year. Um, so, so understanding that um, as a leader, I'm not just here for the position of power, but also on the other perspective is as a leader, understanding that your teachers are there because they choose to be, uh, not just because it's a job. Um, there are plenty of other jobs out there that are much easier and pay well, uh, pay better. Uh, understanding that teachers, they might not be doing exactly what you expect and want, um, but there's always reasons behind that. And how can we help them to get to the level or where we want? Uh, but basically to understand that teachers, uh, they're not just employees, you know? They're not just people that clock in and clock out. There's a lot of dynamics going on in their lives that we often don't know about. Uh, And for them to come into the classroom uh, every day and be professionals is a big thing Uh, because you never know what people are dealing with or or, or struggling with. So to assume that I have a teacher that's just lazy, there's more to it. it. It's not just about being lazy because if it was about being lazy, they wouldn't be there. Uh, they'll be somewhere else doing something <laughs> yeah. else exactly yeah uh, being being responsible for children that are not yours is a huge yeah. it's a huge thing it's a huge a dynamic uh, but with leading with people in mind it's understanding that they are people they are human they do have flaws but they also have a lot of great things about them and each individual brings something to the table that you can't get from anyone else so how can I find out what that thing is that each teacher has and how can I develop that? Uh, and that's a big thing too also is developing your teachers. It's, um, as a leader, whether it's in education or any field, as a leader, a leader should never be afraid of developing 
their employees, their staff, um, your teachers. You should never be afraid that this person is going to become so great that they're going to overshadow me or take my place. <laughs> uh, in fact, as a leader, that's my job. <laughs> yeah. My job is to equip you to be able to take my place. I mean, I love my job. I want my job. Uh, but chances are, if you if you um, develop a teacher, they're not going they're not going to try and replace you. They're going to take what you learned and they're going to go somewhere else and be dynamic. And should it be that, you know, it's your turn, to, your time to leave and they do take your place. It's about them now being able to build upon what you have established. Uh, and I think leading with people in mind is understanding that, you know, we want to develop people. The decisions that we make, the actions that we take, it's never about me as the leader. It's not as important as the policies are. It's not so much about the policies as it is about the people. The policies are in place to protect the people, to guide the people but it's not more important than the people because policies can change. Mm -hmm. uh, and oftentimes policies do need to change because uh, as society and the world changes, some policies are just outdated uh, and they need to be revamped. <laughs> but people are people. Uh, and if we feed into people and develop people, they become better people. And as you have better people, what do you have? You have a better institution. You have a better school. You have better education. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. It's the people. Well, they're already there. They're already there and invested. They've already exactly. made a life decision to be with kids mm -hmm. and exactly. set kids up for their future. That's really where their heart mm -hmm. is. So that's, right. we've got to utilize that, which is awesome that you say that. Um, what is one systemic change now that you've stepped out and can lean back in? What's one systemic change that you think we absolutely need to work on right now in education that would make all the difference mm -hmm. to improve the system? So I would say, yeah, I know it's a big question. I like to ask it. The biggest thing I think, uh, the biggest change that needs to be made in education is how much educators are paid. Mm. Um, I don't think anybody will disagree with that uh, because in terms of salary, for someone to have a four-year degree, education is one of the lowest returns on, on what you spend for that degree. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, with inflation, as high as it is right now, the, the teacher pay is not keeping up. And especially if you have an educator who is single living in an area that is expensive, take Miami, for example, where, where I was working, um, you have teachers who are leaving their positions, not because they want to, but because they have to. The rent has gone up so high or uh, home uh, owner's insurance has, has skyrocketed. Uh, people are no longer able to afford the, not even the standard of living that they once had, uh, but for some people, it's any standard of living. So they have yeah. to pick up and they have to go somewhere else. Um, so uh, teacher pay is one of the biggest changes in education that needs to happen. It needs to be more competitive. And I've always said that if you make teacher pay competitive, you attract the best educators. Hmm. Um, so so by, by, um, by not being competitive in our pay, we actually close out a lot of people who would be a great benefit to the system uh, and to students. Uh, but because they know, and even, you know, you know, now teacher colleges around the nation are struggling to recruit future educators because a lot of people coming out of high school, they understand that, that the salary an educator is making, it, it can't possibly cut it. 
Uh, and I understand when I graduated high school, I was thinking the same thing, but at least then there was some wiggle room. <laughs> but I look at things now and I can't imagine an 18 year old going into college and coming out four years later with a lot of college debt, wanting to join uh, a, a system that is not going to even allow them to pay back their student loans, you know, and, and not to mention all of your other life expenses. So, yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> Teacher pay. Yeah. No, it can be very disheartening, especially depending on where you live. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, so can you tell everybody what you're doing now and how they can reach out to you to get your support? Yeah. Uh, so I can be, uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Ganeer Consulting. Um, I do a lot of postings about uh, leadership, uh, little uh, tidbits, hints, uh, things that you can you know, easily read very quickly. Uh, and adapt to your practice. Uh, my website, ganeerconsulting.com. I do, I'm available for consulting, anything, you know, if you're teacher, administrator, um, you want to look at what's going on in my school, how can I grow my school? I'm available to, you know, step inside. And that's one of the things about being outside of the, the question you asked earlier, being on the outside, you can come in and you can look and you can see things that someone who's there every day cannot see. I used to do teacher evaluation, not teacher, I used to do school evaluations, accreditation uh, for the last school district that I worked with. And that was a, a one of a great experience because you step into different schools and you are able to see different things that, you know, that is often overlooked. And then you're able to say, I've noticed this, this, and this, here's what you can do to improve those things. Um, and then to come back and see how that has helped to, to build the system and make the school even better. Um, so things like that I'm available for. I'm also available for, uh, um, I, as a virtual assistant, you know, if you're in a school and you're, you don't have the time as an administrator, you're so busy, but you have to plan something and you need someone to help you out. I'm available to do that as well. For example, I worked for the school last year, the principal, uh, had the responsibility of planning an eighth grade trip, uh, but did not have the time. Uh, so I was able to, you know, understand what it is they were trying to accomplish and put together a program for them, uh, a layout, uh, a budget for them so that they, all they had to do was a little edits and then send it out to their parents and, and, and move forward with their project. So well, things like that. Great. Yeah. I'm sure some people would like to get a hold of that. So is that available mm -hmm. if they just contact you, if they get a hold of you on their website, like that template itself? Uh, yeah. So if you go either to, you can, you know, Facebook or Instagram at Ganeer Consulting, you can always message me through those mediums or at my website, there's a, a page where you can uh, contact me as well. Good. Okay. So um, your last name is spelled G-A-Y-N-A-I-R and then consulting. Correct. I want to make sure yes. people can find you. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Gavin. I appreciate this yes. conversation. It's important mm -hmm. right now for, for sure in education. My goodness. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. Great. Thank you. Yeah.